It's Tuesday, September 10th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and I am joined in studio by Motley Fool analysts Andy Cross and Emily Flippin. Welcome. How are we doing? Hey, Matt. Doing well. Doing well. Good. Well, we are apparently doing better than Wendy's. Wendy's having a rough mm. day with investors. I want to say they're getting a frosty reception. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry. You should be for that. It's a free show. And we're also going to talk some C-Trip, the China-based online travel company. But we begin with Ford. Moody's downgrading Ford's credit rating to speculative or junk status on Monday. Moody's citing Ford's weak financial outlook. Now, Andy, I hear the word junk, mm. and I think Sounds like things could be better. Yeah. Otherwise, what does that mean for investors? What does that mean for Ford? Otherwise known as speculative or high yield, there are two basic main categories of of debt that, when companies issue debt into the markets, they can either be investment grade or non investment grade. Non investment grade, also known as junk or speculative or high yield, because investors typically require higher yielding, more payment for the bonds that they get issued. So. Moody's, which is one of the major bond rating organizations, along with S&P uh, Global and Fitch, which is a little bit smaller, S&P and Moody's, the two big ones, they downgraded some of Ford's debt from just slightly investment grade to slightly non-investment grade. Uh, and it's, it, it's, 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 it's concerning just because when you think about what they have pointed out to why they've done this, and a lot of it is just the outlook. Ford's going through a major $11 billion restructuring. Uh, they're facing challenges globally. China, especially, has been a really tough market for them. So when Moody's looked at the uh, business outlook, which they still call stable, by the way, which is an important fact, and I'll get to it in a minute. But when they looked at that, they just said, "We don't think that the bonds that Moody's that Ford issues um, are worthy of the investment grade that their other peers may get." Um, so they just notched them down a little bit to to just slightly less than investment grade. So it's not great for for Ford the business. Moody's still still did call the outlook stable, which is which is a good sign. But they've pointed to a lot of the challenges, and and so f- from a investor side, from a person who owns who might own the equity in Ford, it's not great. It's not it doesn't mean that Ford's going bankrupt. Doesn't mean that they're that they're going under anytime soon. It's just a little another uh, reference to the challenges that Ford. Ford faces as an organization. And when you say it's not great, though, it means Ford will have to pay more to borrow money. Yeah, if they, so if they go into the public markets, now Ford has a lot of different kinds of debt because they have their Ford Motor Credit business as well, yeah. um, which is financing for, for consumers on the car side. So this is from the operating side, and they have somewhere. It depends on how you kind of categorize the debt, but call it in the mid twenty billions dollars level of this kind of unsecured debt that that they've issued at the at the corporate side, and they have about twenty three billion dollars of cash on the book. So it kind of is about the same. Again, another reason why Moody said the businesses they have a pretty good balance sheet. Uh, they just are facing these operating challenges, but um, if they have to go. Issue debt, and they do constantly on the financing side go into the markets, issue debt to get paid from investors. 
they will have to likely pay a little bit more for that debt. The bonds that that are trading because these bonds trade in the open markets now. Yeah. Um, investors can buy those bonds. The 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 coupon the or sorry the yield for the pricing on those bonds went up a little bit. The the yield on that price went up, which tells you that investors are expecting a little bit higher um, from the payment or expectations, considering what Moody's did. Again, S and P has not followed along yet. They might, but they haven't followed along yet. Neither has Fitch. When I think about high yield debt in the context of an equity investor, right? So, as an individual investor, when I think about what high yield debt means to a company that I'm invested in, I actually separate it into two different categories. Uh, Forward falls on one side, but I'll touch on the other side in a second. Um, So, when you look at Forward, you look at a growth or an industry that lacks a lot of growth that's extremely cyclical, and it's an industry that sometimes faces really high immediate headwinds. And so with a company like Ford, like Andy mentioned, this is a a car company that's really been underperforming for a while mm-hmm. and it's a company that as an equity investor doesn't look attractive um, as a debt investor probably doesn't look attractive. And then there's this whole other category of high yield debt issuers. You have Netflix who's notorious for issuing a lot of high yield debt. Uber, Tesla, WeWork reportedly looking after the same market. And these are companies that are Really, really high risk for someone who is a debt investor, but as an equity investor, offer a lot of risky but exciting opportunities for growth. So, I would tell investors when they see a company issuing high yield debt to try to separate which category it falls into. If it's a category like Ford, where it's happening because of issues in the underlying business and the industry it's operating in, or if it's a high growth company that's operating a potentially a multi billion dollar industry. Yeah, it's a great point, Emily, because Ford, you know, they're a almost forty billion market cap organization. Concerns around their free cash flow generation, how fast they're growing. They're, you know, it's a cyclical company, grows at maybe GDP levels, and they've really struggled here. Obviously, much different. They do need to go into the markets to borrow that capital, so they require that that um, that funds from the debt that they do issue, much like Netflix has recently. Uh, but it's a much different organization, just because it's not growing nearly as fast, and their profitability picture is just not um, necessarily clear for Moody's to see what they want to see for them to maintain that state of that uh, investment grade level. Okay, so let's bring it back to the stock as we wrap up here. Shares of Ford down more than forty percent over the past five years. Is it a buying opportunity? Or is it more buyer beware? Yeah, I, th- I personally think it's buyer beware. We've actually sold it out of um, Stock Advisor uh, in the past year. Uh, just looking at the prospects, it's very capital intensive. It's all kinds of macro headwinds right now. They're going through this major restructuring. They just brought in Tim Stone as CFO. He came from Amazon and Snap, I believe. Uh, he's the first outsider, I think, in, since the 1940s to be to be the CFO of Ford. So I, I I I have faith that they will actually continue to go through this restructuring. They laid off 7,000 people, or are in the process of doing that. So they're trying to like turn the ship. It's just I I, I see what Moody's is seeing, and from the equity side, you have a you have a dividend payment. They're going to buy back, try to buy back some stock, I guess. But the investments they have to make are just gonna. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be a slog for equity investors and Ford. So, I, so I'm not using this as an opportunity to buy into the stock. And let's move on and talk China. And let's talk about the China-based travel company SeaTrip, reporting better than expected earnings and revenue, but the stock down a bit. Now, Emily, for those who don't know the name SeaTrip, this is no small company. Market cap of around 19 billion. And when I read the headlines, I think better than expected earnings, better than expected revenue, but the stock down a bit. 
what's going on? Well, you're living my life now, Mac. With all the Chinese <laughs> companies I follow, even if you have a beat and a, a raise, it seems to be that the market is not appreciating it right now. And there are a lot of macro trends with that, but also some factors about C-Trip itself. So, despite posting an earnings per share of 2.25 yuan versus 4.7 or 4.07 expected, a beating on revenue as well, and the company still posted um, a bottom bottom line net loss. So that was not a net loss attributable to shareholders, but a net loss attributable to a lot of their investments. So, you know, really that was kind of the black spot on the earnings report. Admittedly, the stock not down as much as it could have been um, the way that we've seen with other Chinese companies. But what I found really exciting was the fact that they had year-over-year revenue growth of 19%, accelerating gross merchandise value growth for domestic hotels and air tickets, which is amazing given the fact that we keep hearing about this Chinese slowdown. New economic numbers now reporting to a slowdown in China again today. So, a lot of news right now saying maybe China's not the place to be, maybe China's not growing the way we expect it to. But C-Trip continues to prove, C-Trip and other companies uh, continue to prove that they're actually still making a decent amount of money. And despite the fact that China maybe isn't growing at the rate that many people expected it to, it's still posting above 6% GDP growth rates, depending on which projections you use, which compared to the US, which I think is about 25 to 3%, is really impressive. And if you still think there are great opportunities in the US with that GDP growth rate, you probably think that two over, right, with China. Um, so there's risk there, but C-Trip, like you said, Chinese travel agency, while they do a lot of their business for internal domestic Chinese travel, international Chinese travel, they do have a lot of investments um, in the international space as well. So, they have Skyscanner investments, um, they own Trip.com. So, many American consumers might have used a platform of theirs without even realizing it. Andy, once upon a time, we used to talk about C-Trip all of the time here at The Motley Fool. It's a Motley Fool recommendation. Stock was just a champ. Oh, yeah. Just crushing the market. But over the last five years, the stock trading basically where it did five years ago, um, it's lost to the SP. What do you make of C Trip today? It's a much bigger company than it was when we recommended it back in the day. Yeah. I mean, it, it, when you compare that to a company like Booking, uh, the former price line and uh, a recommendation and a company that, that I, uh, I've, I like better than the C-Trip right now, which actually has a nice investment into C-Trips, so as, as, as well as other things. Uh, but Booking has beaten both the market and C-Trip over the last five years, so probably a, a better place for investors to, to be invested. I think the points that Emily makes, C-Trip really is a benefit from what's happening over in China long term. And the amount of spending and travel that the middle, the emerging middle class in C Trip will continue to to do, um, so it'll probably be in a good spot. The question is, will that actually return for equity investors? We haven't seen it for the last five years, and I still like booking ahead of C Trip at this point. I disagree, and I do own C Trip, so take everything I say with a grain of salt. But I have some numbers here for you, Andy. Only six percent of the Chinese population owns a passport right now, mm-hmm. so the market that they're operating in, their core domestic market. It's still really small in comparison to where it will be. The government issues 10 million new passports every year. In 2018 alone, travel abroad in this country increased 15% year over year. And in China, only 35% of people are high or middle low class, which means that these are the people who would ideally be the ones spending money to travel. Um, So that's only 35% of the population, but travel is growing. You know, gangbusters right now in China. Um, we see countries internationally having the issues of of too many Chinese tourists now coming over, and you'll actually see that Chinese tourists now are even though they have 
a lower percentage of their entire population traveling are spending about the same amount as U.S. tourists. So I still think the reason why we haven't seen it over the past five years is because the market is is still kind of catching up to where I think it can be. But looking to the next five years, it's hard to imagine that this company, with the investments that it has, given its dominant positioning in the Chinese market and given the propensity for Chinese people to to not only grow their their position economically, but spend that money to travel means that this, in my opinion, has much bigger growth opportunities in booking. Yeah, well, I just, I mean, I think you you get C-Trip by buying booking too, and booking's a cheaper mm-hmm. stock. It's a larger company stock, but it's, it's outperformed, and I think you're just buying a higher quality company than C-Trip, but you're right. I mean, C-Trip has the advantages of playing in a much larger market. Uh, and but, but with booking, at least you get some part of C trip when when you buy into that stock too. Okay, tomato, tomato. Okay. <laughs> and speaking of shares of Wendy's, I think they have tomatoes. tomatoes. Shares of Wendy's down around eleven percent after Wendy's cut its 2019 outlook. Wendy's is ramping up spending as it prepares to roll out breakfast next year at all of its U.S. locations. Mm. Currently has breakfast at at a few hundred of its U.S. stores. Now, Wendy's, as part of that, will hire an additional 20,000 employees. Andy, what do you make of Wendy's? Well, I I used to own Wendy's stock back in the 90s, many years ago, and I used to eat at Wendy's. I haven't eaten at Wendy's in a long time. I used to like the the fish sandwich, actually. Um, So, I mean, breakfast. I didn't even know they had a fish sandwich. I I don't think they do anymore. Which is one reason why maybe kind of I haven't been down there as a. As You're not a, doing like the single or the double. No, I, no, the frosty? no, I don't. Are you doing the frosty? Don't really eat meat. No, not much on the frosty. Don't really eat meat that much these days. So I like the fish sandwich. Anyway, back to the story. Uh, this I actually this it's interesting. The stock is down because breakfast is the market for restaurants these days. Uh, I mean, McDonald's has really pushed the breakfast menu, and now it's their most profitable line of business. About a quarter of the traffic is tied to breakfast for McDonald's. It's a very high margin for the restaurant business. Wendy's hasn't really been in there. They have a few stores, Mac, as, as we are talking about, a few stores that offer breakfast. They're going to roll this out. It's going to take some investments, both from their side and their franchisee side. So I think the concerns for investments for investors is when Wendy's talks about their their allocation strategy, it's into the business as a lot of companies do, and then it's share repurchases and dividends. So the the thought may be that this might start to lower a little bit of the perhaps the share repurchases, which has been nice for the stock. Um, and I don't know the I don't think the dividend will be at risk. But does this ultimately hurt their cash flow? They were expecting free cash flow to be about two hundred thirty million this year. Well, take out twenty million now from that, essentially more or less. So maybe their their free cash flow will not be as high as expected. So shareholders looking through the near term sell the stock off. But the long term story for this. Considering the other companies that are making investments and have made investments into business, Starbucks, Dunkin', Panera now, um, Chick-fil-A even, Taco Bell even has breakfast. So, this is a place that Wendy's really has to be to compete. It's a higher pro- it's, on, it's higher on the profit curve. It's just going to take some investments to get there. And in the sell-off, though, we can't downstate how how much of an investment this is. Their former projections for same-store sales growth were in the range of 3.5 to 7%. Now they're negative 3.5 to negative 6.5%. So these are really going to hurt the company over the short term. But we're really missing the bigger story here, which is the fact that um, you know they have on their menu planned on their menu a honey butter chicken biscuit. Now anybody who is also from Texas might mm. immediately think to themselves, "But wait a minute." Whataburger does the honey butter chicken biscuit. So I will say this if Wendy's can tap into the very lucrative honey butter chicken biscuit breakfast market, 
I think there's a big opportunity here. And you look at the stock, and let, let's wrap up with this. Shares of Wendy's have beaten the market over the past five years. And oh, yeah, they've beaten McDonald's too. So take that, Mickey D's. I'm a Mickey D's shareholder. You know, a couple of points. They have tried breakfast before. It hasn't quite worked. Mm-hmm. They tried it in 2007, tried it in 2012, didn't work a little bit. And the market's different now. The market is totally different. Mm-hmm. And they do have an October analyst, they do have an analyst meeting in October where they will share more details. So I'm looking forward to that. And maybe they'll give out some of those Frosties, Mac. Okay. And so when you look at Wendy's compared to McDonald's, I just mentioned, Wendy's market cap around $4.5 billion, McDonald's market cap, one hundred and sixty billion. Mm. I'm not saying Wendy's can become McDonald's, but if they get this breakfast thing right, don't they have a lot of upside? Well, I, I don't know if it's a lot of upside. They do have upside, just considering where the where how we are consuming foods at restaurant and breakfast is a big part of that nowadays. Well, the honey butter chicken biscuit market alone <laughs> is probably enough to, just, to justify yeah. the upside. Okay, so Desert Island. Let's let's have it. We've got three stocks. You're on a desert island for the next five years. Ford, Sea Trip, or Wendy's. What are you going with? I'm going with Sea. I'm going. I'm going to go with Sea Trip. Out of those three, I'll go with Sea Trip. You know what? I'm going to go with Wendy's. Mm. I feel hyped after this conversation. Nice. I'm, I'm ready for some honey butter chicken biscuits, and I'll definitely go with the Wendy's. Why not? Okay, I like it. I'm I'm going to be curious to see how the honey butter chicken biscuit. Thank it's a tongue twister. How that mm-hmm. fares against the Baconator? Because I would never bet <laughs> against the Baconator. They the, both sound delicious. Yeah, the Baconator though. The branding's brilliant. Never underestimate the Baconator. Okay, Andy, Emily, thanks for joining me. Thanks, man. Thanks, Brad. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Austin Morgan. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.